Good morning, afternoon, or evening to anyone listening out there. This is the first ever episode of Cullen's Countdowns in which I, your host, Cullen Tong, give my takes on the five biggest sports headlines of the week. If you found this podcast, I'm assuming you have a love for sports, and I thank you for taking the time to listen. You may not agree with my takes, what I choose to talk about, or even the sound of my voice, but I can tell you this. If you take the time to listen, I will forever appreciate you, and hopefully we can connect and talk about our sports love some more. If not, I hope you can find something and someone else to listen to that is more your style. With that, let the first episode of Collins Countdowns begin. I'm going to start off with number five this week. Um, There were a lot of things I could have picked for the number five position this week because there's four that I have solidified that I know I have to talk about. So number five is actually a combination of two things, Um, two games that like are important. They're not like the biggest headlines of the week. Nothing crazy is happening, but they are two NFL games this week that have a lot of impact have a huge impact on the rest of the regular season going forward in determining who gets seeding in the AFC. So the first game I'm going to talk about is the the Arizona Cardinals versus the Cleveland Browns. Arizona comes into this game undefeated 5-0, Cleveland 3-2, and yet the Browns are favored by 3.5 points. I get the game is in Cleveland. You're giving Arizona 3.5 points on the road, whatever, whatever. But I just I don't see how this game goes any differently than the Cardinals winning. Um, Arizona is a high-flying offense. And this Browns defense, I was supposed to be so good, one of the best teams defenses in the league, one of the best rosters in terms of a whole team in the league, and yet they just gave up 47 points to the Chargers. And now I know the Chargers are 4-1. and one. They're probably, right now, I mean, the Chiefs are sucking. The Chargers might be on the way to win that division with ease. But still, you give up 47 points to an to a team with, yes, great weapons, but your defense is supposed to be, coming into the season, one of the best in the league, and you give up 47 points. And now, you get to go home, you get to play Kyler Murray, who is probably top three in the MVP conversation right now, and that team of weapons. So how are you going to stop them from putting up 47 points? It... This, this game is huge for the Browns. They can't drop to 3-3. Three and three. And no, I'm not a Browns fan. And I don't want to see the Browns win. But come on, like for the, the guys in Cleveland, the fans in Cleveland, you can't go to 3-3 three and three when this was supposed to be your season. Because last year, you were a Chad Henney scramble away from making it to the AFC Championship game. And who knows how that game would have went between the Bills and the Browns. So yeah, you can't go 3-3 three and three to start this year. Yeah, I know you have an extra game. But still, and now this week you don't have Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt's going to have to, I mean, he's playing out of his mind. They have the best running back duo in the league. But can they stand up against the high-flying offense of the Cardinals who have Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green who's been playing well? And, I mean, the Arizona defense isn't that bad. I mean, they held the Rams in check, and the Rams have one of the best offenses in the league. So, I don't know. I don't know how this game goes. I, I'm 99% sure that 
the Cardinals win. But if it's close, Baker Mayfield's going to have to have one hell of a day because he has just looked off. I mean, I know they scored a ton of points, 42 points against the Chargers, and they lost that game. Like, come on, imagine scoring 42 points and losing a game in the NFL. Like, it, you just don't see it happen. Baker had 305, two touchdowns. But him and Odell Beckham Jr., they need to get on the same page. Baker was 23 of 32, 305 yards and two touchdowns. The number one receiver in that game against the Chargers for them, David Njoku. David Njoku was their number one receiver. How? You have Odell Beckham Jr., number two on the list in receiving yards that game. Donovan Peoples-Jones? Are you serious? No disrespect to Njoku or Peoples-Jones, by the way. I'm not trying to put them down. But we all know Odell Beckham Jr. is way more talented than those two. Third on the list. Do you think it's Odell? Do you? Because you're wrong. It's Rashard Higgins. Three catches, 29 yards for Higgins. Fourth spot... Five catches, 28 yards. Kareem Hunt. And then we finally get to Odell Beckham Jr. Two catches, 20 yards, three targets. Three targets for Odell Beckham Jr. Who's one of the most talented athletes we've seen in this last 10, 15 years. I mean, it still seems like yesterday that this man made that one-handed catch against the Cowboys when he played for the Giants as a rookie. And now he's getting three targets in an offense that puts up 42 points? Come on. They need to get on the same page because that Cardinals offense is not anything you want to mess with. And if you can't put up points with them, you're not going to win the game. Simple as that. So I took the Cardinals plus three and a half. I also took their money line. I think they win this game. And the number one reason because of that is because Brown's offense can't get going. And by that, I mean Odell Beckham Jr. can't get going. Jarvis Landry's hurt. He's not even playing anymore. Or he hasn't played the last three weeks. And Odell Beckham Jr. still got three targets. I mean, what? Hopefully that goes up this week for him, for his sake, for his fantasy owner's sake. Jarvis Landry is coming back, so does that number even go down now? Like, I don't know. It should go up. Nick Chubb is out, by the way. I, I mentioned that earlier. Nick Chubb is out. He is not playing in this game. So that means the run game will be focused heavily on Kareem Hunt. Or they go to the air more. They're going to have to put a point. You can't run the ball. It's not going to work all the time. You can't run the ball against a team that's going to put up 30, 35 points. You just can't do it. You can't stay in the game. Unless you take over. You mix in a little play action. You get Baker rolling. You get Odell involved. Then you're feeling good. But you can't. You can't win the game like that you can't win in the NFL run the football like that I, I disagree with their philosophy I think Kevin Stefanski is a great head coach great offensive minded coach but you got to find ways to get Baker to get Odell the ball simple as that now the one I'm not going to say upgrade advantage that's the word I'm looking for the one advantage that Cleveland does have going to this game two advantages actually one they're at home that's probably why they're the favorite by three and a half points without Nick Chubb. Two, the Cardinals head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, he tested positive for COVID. So he will not be with the team. He will not be on the sidelines, coaching, none of that. So I know a lot of people aren't really high on Cliff Kingsbury. 
Uh, they think he's kind of a fraud still. But come on, he's got this team to 5-0 and with pretty big-time wins. Especially over the Rams. So that that is going to be a big loss for the Cardinals. But, I mean, I think they're a good team. Like I said, Kyler Murray's a top three in the MVP conversation right now. They're 5-0. and They play in the toughest division in the NFL in the NFC West. I think the Cardinals come out with this one, which drops the Browns to 3-3. Three and three. The Cardinals will go to 6-0, and oh, the only undefeated team left in the league. But the Browns will be 3-3. Three and three. And that brings me to another, the other second game I want to talk about here in point five of Cullen's Countdowns. The Chargers and the Ravens. Now, I talked about the Chargers before. They just hung up 47 points on the Browns' defense. And only won by five. Like, yeah, you won the game, but you still gave up 42 points. 42 points. And now you got to go face Lamar Jackson, who's probably top three or to- at least top five in the NFL and MVP conversation right now. Both teams come to this game four and one. The Ravens are favored by two and a half points at home. And I got to tell you, I think the Chargers pull this one out. I know I just maybe sounded like I was being very mean towards them, if mean is the right word, downgrading them because they gave up 42 points to the Browns. But the Chargers are such a great team. They have probably behind the Bills the second best roster in the NFL. Their defense is really good. Their offense, can't say enough. Mike Williams, he's been good before. He's been a good fantasy pickup, waiver wire flex player. He's turned into a wide receiver two, leaning towards wide receiver one. Keenan Allen, like, has kind of dropped. He's, I mean, he hasn't dropped. Okay, he's, he hasn't dropped at all. He's not as great as we expected him to be, drafting him in third, fourth rounds, maybe even late second rounds for Keenan Allen. Mike Williams, I mean, he's getting drafted sixth, seventh round of fantasy drafts, and he, next year, I think that's all going to change. Justin Herbert, I mean, man, in these two games I'm talking about, three out of the four quarterbacks are top five in MVP conversation, or they should be. Justin Herbert is playing out of his freaking mind. Come on. And then you got Austin Eckler, one of the most dynamic backs at the halfback position. He catches the ball. He runs the ball. He gets you touchdowns. I mean, that offense is so good. Then you look at the Ravens, and, you know, their offense, they've had some scares. They they beat the Lions on a 66-yard field goal. They had to come back from double-digit deficit to beat the Colts on Monday Night Football. The Colts. Now, mind you, who knows what the Colts are right now? Nobody... Carson Wentz is playing so inconsistent. He just had a huge game against the Ravens, and they still lost. So, yeah. I heard it said before, the Ravens could easily be 1-4 and four as they are right... Uh, opposite of what they are now, 4-1. and one. Okay? And they go into this game, home game, in Baltimore. West Coast team coming in from the city of L.A., to play them and Lamar Jackson is stepping up though that's the thing they're winning these games because of him he had over 450 yards combined for himself out of what 510 he made up for like 80% at least of their yards against the Colts that's insane that's insane they have no running game anymore since Dobbins and Edwards got hurt 
Latavius Murray doesn't look good at all. Marquise Brown is stepping up through as a receiver. Mark Andrews, I mean, we've known that connection between Jackson and Andrews has always been deadly. But he's starting to find his groove after he started off slow. I just... I don't know how the Ravens can get win this game. I don't know how long it can last that Lamar has to throw the football and they can't just run the ball all the time. They just have their record. What, they get 100... I don't remember. 100 straight games, maybe, with... I don't remember the record. Insanely long straight games of 100-plus rushing yards in a game. And it just broke because Lamar had to throw for over 400 yards. Like, how long can he sustain that? How long can Hollywood Brown keep up this act? How long can Sammy Watkins stay on the field without getting injured? I mean, we know that Lamar to Andrew's connection is going to be there, but, like, how much longer can this last? Can they Can they win this game? Because this game is crucial, crucial to the AFC's playoff picture. Both teams are 4-1. and one. Both teams want to make long runs, think they can make long runs to the Super Bowl. But if one loses, they're 4-2. and two. Now say the Browns somehow managed to beat the Cardinals, they're 4-2. Ravens four and two. So that's gonna be a bloodbath for that division. But if the Ravens can win and Diego five and one and the Browns lose, because I think they will the Cardinals, the Brown the the Browns are already two games behind the Ravens. The Ravens are second right now in the AFC playoff picture. Second only behind the Chargers, who are first. Now, you can argue that the Chargers might have a tougher division, or the Ravens. I mean, both teams are in tough divisions. Who knows when Kansas City is going to step up to the plate and actually start playing football. Right now, they're not even in the playoffs. The Browns are looking out on the outside looking in right now. They're in the 8th spot at 3-2. and two. Barely in the 8th spot, but they're in the 8th spot. Now, I don't know the tiebreaker here, but let's say the the Browns win, Ravens lose. They're both four and two. I don't know who would get into the playoffs at this point. Probably would be both of them if the playoffs ended after this week, because the Broncos, the Broncos and the Raiders play each other. They're both three and two. So, uh, it's a tough game. It is a huge, huge game for both these teams. Both teams don't want to relinquish that the, one of those top two spots. I mean, two doesn't really mean anything except you get an extra home game, maybe. But you want the one seed. When they added that seventh playoff team, only gave the one seed a first-round buy. The one seed is everything now. You have to get it. You can't even say, oh, I'm content with the two seed because I get a first-round buy, but I will have to go hope, most likely play at the one seed's house. You want the one seed. Especially Baltimore. That place is rocking. That place gets crazy. And for the Chargers, oh my gosh. You get the one seed. You get a first round bye. Okay, the wild card, you don't got to play in it. The divisional round, you're at home. The AFC Championship game, you're at home. At SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. 
And why am I saying all this? Because guess where the Super Bowl is? SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles on the Chargers home field. Chargers can have home field advantage throughout the playoffs all the way into the Super Bowl. So yeah, this game, huge impact going forward. The Chargers can move to 5-1. and one. Chiefs aren't playing well at all. They're 2-3. and three. Say the Chiefs miraculously, somehow Washington football team pulls off an upset and the Chiefs go to 2-4. and four. The Chargers will be 5-1. and one. Have a three-game lead over them. Plus, they already have a tiebreaker against them. Yes, they have to play against each other. But the Chargers already beat the Chiefs. The Chargers could end up... I mean, it's going forward. We don't know what's going to happen. I think the Bills could still get the one seed. With its super easy schedule, the Chargers still have to play their division. All a little to a lot above average teams in their division. Tough games. The Chargers have to win this one to better their chances at getting the one seed and making it all the way to the Super Bowl and playing in front of their fan base, whatever you want to call that, at SoFi Stadium in L.A. So, number five on the list this week, Cardinals, Browns. No Nick Chubb, no Cliff Kingsbury. I think Cardinals win it outright. Take them plus three and a half if you want. Take the money line. I did. And then Ravens, Chargers in Baltimore. I took the Chargers money line. I think they win it. Their offense is too good. Yeah, congrats, Lamar. You can come back from a double-digit deficit against the Indianapolis Colts. Can't do it against the Chargers. They're too damn good. As we move on to number four, once again, I want to say thank you for all of you who have made it this far in listening. If you're still here, I appreciate you so much. But as we move on to number four, Zach Ertz out of Philadelphia on his way to the aforementioned Arizona Cardinals. And I know what you're thinking. If you haven't seen it yet, no, he cannot play. He played in the Thursday night game. Per the CBA, he needs at least three days to play. So, if the Cardinals were playing on Monday night, he could potentially have played. But for you fantasy owners out there with Zach Ertz, like myself in one of my leagues, you're not getting double points. Hey, be happy. Three catches, a little over 20 yards and a touchdown. Solid 12, 13 points for your team. I had to pick him up because Dallas Goddard got COVID. So, I was like, hey, maybe they'll throw to Ertz more. Eh, he got three catches. But he did get a touchdown. So, I think it worked out. But let's talk about the situation at hand here. Zach Ertz goes to Arizona. For a fifth round pick in the 2022 draft. And Tay Gawan, a cornerback who they drafted, the Cardinals drafted this year in the sixth round. He's been banged up. Hasn't played a game yet this year in the NFL. What does this mean for Zach Ertz? He's in a contract year. His contract is up. He's a free agent after this season. Uh, Reports are that he has... No interest right now at the time being to discuss a a new contract with the Cardinals. He wants to see how the season plays out. Cardinals just lost their tight end. They need someone to replace him. Ertz comes in. Bang. You got a Pro Bowl tight end. 
Now, is Ertz what he used to be? We don't know. Honestly, we don't. Because Dallas Goddard kind of just broke onto the scene and took over that TE1 role in Philly. And now Ertz gets his tight end one role back in Arizona. And he's proven in his career that he can be a damn good tight end. Especially, especially now that he doesn't have to be the focus of an offense. I mean, Philly, who have they had in the recent years to throw the ball to? It's been Zach Ertz. And now in Arizona, he's not going to worry about having to be covered by a linebacker and a safety because they're going to have to cover DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Christian Kirk even. And, and they have to account. You can't put a linebacker on Zach Ertz because then who's going to watch Kyler Murray? Because we know he can break off a 30-yard run anytime he wants to. So, yeah. Great trade for the Cardinals, I think. Easily, easily. Now, can't say we've, they won the trade. Tagawan, sixth-round pick. Fifth-round pick. Sixth-round pick, sorry. We don't know what he's going to be in the NFL. But a sixth-round cornerback? I mean, corners, yeah. They're, a lot of them go undrafted. A lot of them play well, the undrafted ones. So we could see a sixth-round pick turn into a, a great player in the years down the line. And we don't know who the Cardinals are going to uh, the Eagles would draft next year with that pick they got. But as of right now, the Cardinals just upgraded their offense. That didn't need any upgrades. Like, they're scoring 30 points a game. You're going to add a Pro Bowl tight end to that team, to that offense? It just, it's insane. And to think that the Packers were probably the number two option for them for, for to land Ertz. Imagine adding Zach Ertz to that offense. I mean, Tanyan's a solid tight end, but now you get Ertz too? It didn't happen, but just think about it. But the Cardinals got him. And that offense is elite. You have a top five quarterback in the league right now playing like it. You have a he hasn't been the same this year. I don't. He's been solid. He hasn't been the usual guy that we're used to. But DeAndre Hopkins is a top five receiver in this league. Easily. Easily. No debate. No debate at all. You have A.J. Green, who's playing better than he did in his last few seasons in Cincinnati. Mind you, he was hurt. But still, he's a valid number two. He doesn't have to be the number one. He's a valid number two option for Kyler. Solid running game. James Conner has been playing very well. And you have slot slot guy in Christian Kirk. Who's who's I've had him on my fantasy bench. He's been racking up points. I just don't want to play him because I, I know the downfall is coming, but it just hasn't really seemed to be huge. So I'm keeping him. I haven't played him yet. We'll see what happens. Now they get Ertz to throw the ball to. Oh my goodness, can you even think about that? I mean, I'm talking Ertz up right now to be like Travis Kels, Kelsey, Kels, however he wants to be called it. And he's not. Not even close, I don't think. But Ertz adds another element to this offense that they they were missing. They didn't have a solid tight end like Kittle or Kels. Or even, I mean, look at the Bills. Dawson Knox. Come on. They lost Max Williams. They target the tight ends the third lowest in the NFL. 
Maybe because that was Max Williams. Now they have Zach Ertz. Oh, and I forgot to mention, they have an outstanding rookie by the name of Rondale Moore, who's exceeding all expectations this season. So yeah, they have four viable pass-catching options already, plus James Conner in the backfield, plus Kyler Murray at quarterback, and now they add Zach Ertz. Huge, huge deal for the Arizona Cardinals. And we'll see how it pans out for Philly. We'll see how Gowan plays, we'll see who they pick, how it goes, yada, yada, yada. Philly has some work to do. The Cowboys are easily the best team in that division. Easily. And Philly wants to get back up to that, that status of winning the Super Bowl. You got to see what happens. See what happens with these, this player you got. Go on. You see what happens with this draft pick you got. And you move on from Ertz. Seems like they wanted to do that f- right when the Super Bowl ended this past year. All we heard was, Ertz to the Bills. Ertz is getting traded. He's going to go to the Bills. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get him to Buffalo. Get him to Buffalo. Well, now, that talk's gone. Dawson Knox is playing that amazing. And now, Ertz is out of Philly. He got out. He's in Arizona. Have fun adjusting to that uh, 100 degrees that you were not getting in Philadelphia. Good move for the Cardinals. Their offense just became better. The Eagles have Goddard. So there's not really a huge loss for them unless Goddard can't come back from COVID and they realize they messed up because they need Ertz. But hey, good move for the Cardinals. We'll see how it plays out for the Eagles. That's number four of Collins Countdowns, Zach Ertz to the Arizona Cardinals. Number three on this list, game one tonight, Los Angeles Dodgers versus the Atlanta Braves in the NLCS on the road to the World Series in the major leagues. But I'm not talking about that game. I don't want to. I do want to, but it's not a top headline. Obviously, it's the NLCS. It's a huge, huge game, huge series to get a chance to play in the World Series. But I want to talk about how the Dodgers got there. They got there on a horrific call in Game 5 against the San Francisco Giants. Horrific terrible call by the first base umpire horrific check swing call the ball appealed to the first base umpire after the home plate umpire made the call appealed to first Flores strikes out swinging because his check swing, according to the first base umpire, his wrist broke, the bat went across, whatever you want to call it. First base umpire called it a strike. Game over. That was the bottom of the ninth inning. Giants are down 2-1. Man on first. Two outs. 0-2 count. And yes, we can argue anything's ha- anything's possible. He probably Flores might strike out swinging the next pitch. Scherzer might have caught him looking the next pitch. But anything's possible. We know sports. We know anything can happen. All it takes is 
One throw of a football. One shot of a hockey puck. One pitch of a baseball. Flores could have homered to right field. Walk off home run to win the series. 3-2, win the game 3-2, advance the NLCS to play for a chance in the World Series. But no, the umpire decided to call it a strike, make it all about him, ruin the Giants' chances. And no, I don't hate the Dodgers. I don't. And I'm good for them. Good for them. Because one pitch all it takes for Flores to hit a home run, one pitch all it takes for Scherzer to strike him out. But come on, you can't let... The referees, the umpires determine these games. And I know situations shouldn't have anything to do with it, but it should. In this situation, come on. First of all, I disagree. I think this series should have been seven games. I think the AL and NLDS series should all be seven games, not just five. But still, you got to play how it's set. You got to play the cards as they lie. And as they lie, you get five games to win three. Giants couldn't do it. But that game, that game ending, it's rough. It's rough to be a Giants fan, even rough to be a Giants player. I mean, another cliche about sports. You can't blame the refs. You can't blame the refs. can't blame the umps. And I get that. I really do, but come on. That call, that moment, can't happen like that. Just can't. Dodgers played a great series. Or had a great season. They tie the game in the bottom of the six on a home run. Make it 1-1. Top of the ninth. They give up a hit to Cody Bellinger, who's a great player. Can't really be mad about that considering they kept him in check. But, come on. No errors. Only six hits, but no errors. The only error on the the Giants' part was checking a swing. Checking a swing where he didn't even go. But the first base ump thought he did. Called him out. Game over. Terrible way to have your season end. Absolutely terrible. But hey, you live and learn. I mean, if you want to swing at it, take a swing. Can't second guess yourself in sports, man. And I guess the umpire didn't. He had to make a call. He saw what he saw. He called him swinging. Game over. Flores, don't second guess yourself. Take a hack at it. If you think that you're going to hit it, hit it. Try. I'm sure there would not be as much outrage if you took a swing at that, swung and missed, rather than checking your swing and having it come down to the umpire. And no, I'm not bashing Flores. Not at all. But sometimes you got to take a chance. Take a chance. I mean, yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. He swings, strikes out. Everyone hates him. But everyone hates that umpire. That's for sure. Just a just a bad way for your season to end. Bad way. Good luck to the Dodgers, Braves, the Astros. Won last night. 
They're up 1-0 on the Red Sox in the ALCS. But good luck. I would have liked to see the Giants play for it. I would have. They're a hardworking team, great team, and they'll be back. They'll be back for sure. Maybe next time. They'll take a full swing and crank that thing out of the park. That's number three of Collins' countdowns this week. Dodgers-Giants ends in heartbreak for the Giants. Triumph for the Dodgers. And one umpire probably can't even show his face. Number two on this list is the situation that's currently going on in Brooklyn, New York. Little controversy about Kyrie Irving. What else is new? This man is incredibly gifted at playing basketball and he doesn't want to play. He does want to play. He doesn't want to get vaccinated. Now, I'm not going to judge. I am vaccinated. He's not. I don't hate him for that. Of course not. But sometimes can get a little out of hand. And that's what I've seen happen. People are bashing Kyrie Irving for not getting vaccinated. Not going to play with Kevin Durant and James Harden to win an NBA title. Because he doesn't want to get a shot. Do people have the right to do that? No. They have the right to give him their opinions. On the vaccine, they have the right to do what they want to do. But attacking this man because he doesn't want to do something is is incredibly... What's the word I'm looking for here? Unjust. Yeah, that's a good word for it. Unjust. You can't go at him. I mean, yeah, he's had a lot of his problems in the past of not playing, taking personal leaves. We don't know. Kyrie Irving has such a negative image in the media because everything the media wants to talk about is the negativity. A lot of people don't know he gives tons of money to schools and charities. But let's just focus on the one negative thing, and it's a story. I mean, here I am talking about it. But to... To not be on his side, to hate him, is not right. It's not who we should be. We shouldn't hate somebody. We shouldn't. Especially because he's making a personal choice. He's making a personal choice. Personal. He doesn't have to show up and play basketball. He can hang him up. Untie the laces for one last time. Put those shoes in a box somewhere. Call it a day. Call it a career. He's had one heck of a career. But he doesn't want to do that. So he's he's educating himself. He's educating himself. That's that's the right thing for him to do. Keep learning. Figure out what's best for you, Kyrie. 
Don't do it because other people want you to do it. Or don't not do it because everyone... Don't, don't bring this negative attention to you for that sole purpose to bring that attention. And I know that's not what he's doing. I 100% believe that. Educate yourself. Do what you think is right. Peer pressure is a huge thing in society today. And it sucks. But this is one of those situations where you can't let peer pressure get to you. And I don't think Kyrie will. Based on what we've seen in the past, he is perfectly content with living the way he wants to live, being who he wants to be. But if he wants to educate himself, go for it. Do it. I think that's a great idea. Learn more, see what else happens, and go on down the line. And if you come back and play, you have a really good chance to win the NBA title. But I know, I know, I know, I know. That's not what it's all about. Winning a title or keeping true to your beliefs. Whatever you think is right, do it. Do it. But please, everyone listening, everyone out there, stop hating on this man. He can do it. He knows what he's doing. He's a professional. Let him have his own thoughts. Let him have his own beliefs. Please do not peer pressure someone. Peer pressure sucks. Don't do it. That was number two, Cullen's Countdown. Story on Kyrie Irving. And finally, we have reached the number one spot on the first ever episode of Cullen's Countdowns. Now, I'm sure I haven't talked about it yet, so I'm sure you guys know what's coming. The city where people go and enhance their lives or ruin their lives. The city of Las Vegas. Now, normal, normal people like myself, like many of you probably listening right now. You go there, spend a bunch of money, you lose big, you win big. That's how it goes. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And I guess that is still kind of true. Because this happened with John Gruden. Happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Because it happened 10 years ago. John Gruden was forced to resign. After emails came out that he had sent. With homophobic comments. Misogynistic comments. Come on. Come on. John Gruden, you are a leader. People look up to you. You are a head coach of a football team. You're the leader. People look up to you. You worked for ESPN. I looked up to you. I did. I wanted to be a broadcaster. I wanted to be on Monday Night Football. I loved... I loved watching you... Talk about quarterbacks. Talking to quarterbacks. Breaking down film with them as an analyst. I thought that was so cool. So innovative. 
I looked up to you. I wanted to be in your shoes. But no. It's gone. All of it. It's gone. I can't. I can't bring myself to look up to a man who does these kind of things. It's... It's unbelievable. Lewis Riddick said it best. He said you don't know who you can trust behind closed doors. People can talk to you. Have so much fun with you in person. Put on this this face, this mask. Show who they really are. Or to hide who they really are. And then go ahead and show who they really are. Behind your back. They can stab you right in the back. John Gruden, please be better, man. Come on. Why are we still doing this? I mean, 2021 and 2011, 10 years apart. We're so far advanced as a culture than we are, than we were back then. But still, you can't do that. And yes, you may have changed in these last 10 years. We have Carl Nassib, the first openly gay player in the NFL, on your team. He's on your team. And you're putting out homophobic comments 10 years ago? No, they weren't about him. But still, your relationship with him, tarnished. Done. Okay, we need to be there for John Gruden. And I like how what Derek Carr said. He said he still has a family. He still needs our love and support. Carl Nassib took a day off after this came out, after Gruden resigned. He couldn't bring himself to be in that locker room. And no, that's nothing against any of the players on the Raiders. That Nassib didn't go to them. They don't want to be around them. It's around the organization. He took a day off after this came out. Because he didn't want to be around that. He didn't want to be around the culture that Gruden built. I mean, the, the probably most of those players don't not not going to say anything like that. Probably all of them. But he just couldn't bring himself to be around that after what happened. And Mark Davis, he. He needs to figure out what he's doing. He's asked about it. I know him and Gruden are best friends. And I'm I'm dog sitting right now and the dogs are barking in the background. And I'm sorry that you have to hear that. But Mark Davis. One thing I'm sorry to hear is that when you're asked about things like this, you say, go ask the NFL. They have all the answers. You try to throw the blame or whatever on the NFL. Come on. You're a leader. Take responsibility for once. Please. Do it. People look up to you too. Somebody out there wants to be an owner, but you know, they're not going to become an owner or a good one if they keep looking up to you and how to do your job, right? I mean, go ask the NFL. They have all the answers. What about you? What answers do you have? 
clearly none if you're directing all the attention to the NFL because they're the ones that did this. They're the ones that opened the investigation. I lost my best friend and my head coach. No, Gruden did that to himself. You need to take responsibility and try to fix what's happening in your locker room. You have a player that doesn't want to come because you hired a man who did these things. You have all the media attention in the world, negative for that matter, and you just want to run and hide, go in your office, lock the door, throw out the key. Go ask the NFL. They have all the answers. Do they, Mark? Because I'm sure you probably know a lot more, a lot more about the situation than the NFL has to investigate and find it out. You probably already know. So do they have all the answers or do you? It's sickening to hear this stuff, hear all this come out. You don't want to talk to the media, do your job, address a situation that 110% needs to be addressed. You want to deflect it to the NFL because they have all the answers, don't they? Don't they, Mark? Fix your situation, Gruden, man, figure it out. I'm here. I mean, we need to be there for him. We can't put him down, just like I talked about with Kyrie Irving. We cannot put him down. It sucks. And as a leader, as a man, I would expect better from him. And I'm not trying to put him down. I'm not trying to say that I hate him because he did these things. Because hate's a strong word. We can't do that. I talked about that with Kyrie Irving. can't hate people. We have to be there for John Gruden. Derek Carr said it best, and he's there. I mean, I'm all the way here in Buffalo. I can't be in Vegas counseling John Gruden, but I can be praying for him. I can help him out. He's got a lot of things he needs to change in his life. Or maybe he's already changed and this is coming out, and he's just taking the downfall for the man he was 10 years ago. I don't know. But the Raiders have some serious fixing to do within that organization because this is a negative spotlight they do not need. But I, hey... (laughs) I guess if we could take one thing from this is that if you have a problem, deflect it to your boss, Mark Davis. He did it. He did it. He has a huge problem on his hands. Huge. And what did he say? Go ask the NFL. They have all the answers. So, I mean, anyone who looks up to Mark Davis is probably thinking, oh, yeah, I don't have to take any blame no responsibility for anything at all. I can just deflect it and be good. Well, I hate to tell you, Mark Davis followers, it's not like that. It's not how it works. You got to take blame. You got to take responsibility for your actions, for whatever team you lead. That's what he, he has to do as an owner. Take it. Take the blame. Take the responsibility. Be a man. We gotta be there for Mark Davis too, though. All right, he's gotta be learn to grow up, take some responsibility. All right, don't deflect your problems upon the league, but figure it out. No, there's no easy solution. It's way easier to say figure it out than than it is to do it. But try, make an attempt. Make an attempt. As I'm about to go, make an attempt to stop these dogs from barking. Jeez. Make an attempt to fix it. Don't just deflect it and go hide. 
can't do that. Can't do that, man. Glutenum, I'm praying for you, man. Mark Davis, I'm praying for you, man. But please, we got to get past this. 2021, we're past that. We should be. We should be. We aren't. We should be. We need to get there. Number one on Collins Countdowns, John Gruden's situation in Las Vegas. I thank you all for listening to the first episode of Collins Countdowns. It's been a wild week in sports, and that is the beauty of it all, isn't it? Stay tuned again next week for the second edition of the show. And once again, for all you that's listened all the way up till now, I appreciate your time, and I cannot wait to give you my thoughts and opinions all again as we move on forward on Collins Countdowns. For now, I'm your host, Colin Tong.